In a world where the laughter was king, on the edge of space. Get together, have a few laughs. Bastards of the universe! Oh! I know, I'm just coming in like Polly Shore. I was not meant to be that way. <laughs> I'm one of your spooky hosts, Ron Avis. And welcome to the first movie from this year's Halloween Spooktacular for the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I am your host to the left, Ron Avis, the Rental King. And joining me, as always, not from the north, but from above, from space, where you cannot hear him scream, Adam Peterson. It's the weasel. <laughs> it's space, buddy. Space, you know, it's buddy. This is my fault. I watched Alien. <laughs> And then I watched Encino Man right back to back. <laughs> I would have really liked if you had him on two different TVs at the same time. So you were just really kind of intermingling the plots together. Oh, that would be amazing. You know, I was coming in with the, uh, I usually have like a TV spot, not a full trait, like a full length trailer. Yes. But I'll try and grab like some sort of TV spot to begin the show. There isn't one for Alien. It's It's just... Uh, it's that old. <laughs> there, well, there is a TV spot. There's a couple of them, but it's it's just nothing but screechy, scary, ominous sounds. Yeah, I was gonna say and, it feels like it would be very minimalist. Oh, there's no dialogue whatsoever. Like, and even where there could have been dialogue, the whole the famous tagline of "In space, no one hears you scream." It's just sort of it's splayed on the screen in white font, basic white font. <laughs> So it doesn't even, you know, you don't get that sort of trailer voice guy like, in space, no one hears you scream. You know, like that whole deal. In a world. Very minimalist. <laughs> I was very tempted to put in the um, scene from Spaceballs where, <laughs> where the alien bursts out of um, John Hurt Still in John Spaceballs. Hurt. Still John Hurt, right. And then the, uh, hello, my honey, hello, my, you know, like, <laughs> like the, the Warner Brothers frog, basically. <laughs> oh, yes. But I thought, no, I'll, I, I don't know if you could even tell what part of the movie that was, but it was the scene where John Hurt is covered, like the face hugger is on his face, and they're uh, attempting to cut uh, one of the, just cut it off, basically, with a space laser, and uh, it starts eating acid through the uh, hole. And uh, I, that was really, I mean, it, I thought it would, it kind of captured a little bit of the tension of the movie, but even that didn't really come out very well. So I apologize for the shoddiness and the, the terrible production qualities. I blame our intrepid producer, Mitch, Mitch. who is once again passed out. He's passed out in a puddle of his own urine. Yes. Uh, he, he made sure that all of the channels were ready to go, and he hit record and then passed out in a pool of his own piss. I could still. He hasn't even opened the, the package of adult diapers that we got him. <laughs> no. I'm not getting those know. for him for Christmas again this year. No, no, I guess not. I'm just going to get him some. I'm going to get him a six pack of empty Snapple bottles because that's his favorite thing. Yes. And, and penicillin, of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> just just all kinds of penicillin. Chewables. As penicillin much as chewables. one can take. 
Oh man. So yeah, we're, this is our first uh, official, this is the kickoff of the 2021 Halloween spooktacular season. Spooktacular. Where, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any good sound effects. Those were good. Those were, I, I think those are pretty that, top of the line. That's the kind of show we run here. <laughs> See? No, I'm so pumped, dude, because we're talking about uh, Alien from 1979, the Ridley Scott uh, classic uh, sci-fi slash horror. You know, it, it's it's it's. I mean, it's a sci-fi movie through and through, but it's totally horror, and I'm counting it uh, because it's it's scary as shit, dude. It is. It's the movie really, that put Yafet Koto on the map. Yeah, absolutely. He was a household name after that. Uh, I mean, he was in everything from Indiana Jones to um, Home Alone 2. Uh, the Matrix. Yeah, he was in everything. Everywhere he, you yeah. look. Yafet, Yafet, Just everywhere. Enough with the Yafet, guys. We get it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and attempt to do a few housekeeping house, uh, numbers. Just, just yes. jump right off the page here. So the movie was released um, on May 28th, 1979, or yeah, 1979, uh, just a few years post Star Wars hysteria. And honestly, probably Star Wars, if it, it may have still been showing in some multiplexes in 1979. I could see that. It would. It wouldn't surprise me, or at least the second run of Star Wars, you know, like they used to do those kinds of things. Just an $11 million budget, and uh, it grossed. Now, here's where I'm not uh, – I, I got some cl- conflicting data here. IMDb shows that it grossed $81 million, but I was looking at thenumbers.com, which is a nice website to go to if you were just looking for uh, top-grossing movies of any given year. And uh, I was just curious what – it ranked in uh, for that year for other movies, and on on um, the numbers dot com, it's only ninth, and it says it it grossed sixty million, and I don't know if maybe that's like some sort of uh, inflation adjustment or if it's counting re releases in theaters and it's adding on to that, but if it's counting that, I would imagine it would be more than eighty one million. Yeah, I would uh, think so too. I don't really know, but let's just go with, let's just go with eighty-one million, and um, and then for context in the in the <clears throat> as far as top ranking movies of the year, we'll we'll just go along with the numbers.com. You're probably drunk. The numbers.com. Uh, it was the ninth grossing, ninth highest grossing movie of 1979, uh, behind uh, one of our other movies we t- uh, did a s- episode on, uh, The Jerk. Ah. That was number seven. Uh, the top grossing Ebert didn't care for. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Ebert, he gave the movie four stars and loved oh, it. Of he he did. raved about the movie. Yeah, he he really dug it. He's not you know every now and then he he's right. He's right about this one. Uh, can you guess what the top grossing movie of nineteen seventy nine was? Uh, oh. Let me let me see if you can guess the top five. Let's. I'm going to put you on the spot. Guess the top five. Highest grossing films of 1979. If you can get, if you can guess three of them, I'll be, I'll be really impressed. If I because could, a couple of these aren't super obvious, I don't think. If I could guess accurately, 
any movies that came out in 1979, <laughs> I would feel really good about myself right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh. That was your favorite decade and all. <laughs> yes, uh, four years before I was born. Um, yeah, 1979. 1979. Yeah. One of these movies actually released at Christmas time, 1978. So I don't know if that should count, but I guess technically we'll give it a, we'll go ahead and say it does. Christmas 1970. Well, that does clear it up a bit, actually. Yeah, Christmas, uh, Christmas 1978. Yeah, the top grossing movie was released in Christmas of 1978. Uh, so it did. It, it released the you know it earned the bulk of its cash in 1979. I guess. If you can guess one other movie other than The Jerk and Alien in the top ten, I'll, I'm, I'm going to give you credit for being full on cinemaster. You're going to get a cinnaboner. <laughs> <laughs> That's an official oh, term. Or that of, needs uh, to be a thing now. There needs to be yeah. a boner sound effect like Iron the Douche kind of style. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, three, three seconds. Three seconds. Three, two, um, one. Cool Runnings. Number one movie, 1979. Yes! <laughs> it went back in time. First no. one that popped in my head. That's unfair. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. You know, a good five years before you're, you were born, probably. What were you born again? 98, 80, 85? 83. 83. 83. Oh, 83. Okay, so you you were not attending theaters that you know of. Not, as, not as casually as I Well, was. just for those playing at home who may be screaming at the top of their lungs, uh, who were very active uh, and avid moviegoers in the, in the late 70s. Superman was number one. I thought about uh, guessing a Superman because I know that there was Superman in the 70s, but uh, yeah, I hate Superman. So a- Amityville Horror was the second highest grossing, and I knew okay. that was a high, I knew that was w- really high up there. Rocky II was third. Uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture was fourth, and Apocalypse Now was fifth. And just, just to get it out, the, the Muppet movie was sixth. <laughs> <sighs> And and just because it's perfect, the movie Ten was tenth. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. But a Isn't that bit great? Of poetic justice. Isn't that great? No, but this this movie, a four star from our good friend and uh, fellow cinema lover Roger Ebert, four stars. Uh, I'm not going to read a quote because it's he's you know he's just kind of like falling over. There's there's too many things to to talk about really to pull one single quote. One thing that he did one one sentiment that he seemed to repeat a lot was just the atmosphere of the movie was amazing and that this was just more or less uh the the alien was akin to the shark from jaws and michael myers from halloween two recent movies that he would have drawn that comparison to and i think that's apt this is really a stalker movie i've heard a lot of people say that in in uh no, they, they they consider this to be uh, one of the early stalker films because it kind of is. There's a, you know, Michael Myers is hiding in your house. There's an alien hiding in your spaceship. Well, that's uh, I know we've I think we've probably touched on it once or twice before, but <clears throat> that's one of the things that I really appreciate, especially about the first two entries in the whole Alien franchise, is this one definitively to me is a horror movie, and yeah. Aliens is definitively an action movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's horrific. There are definitely right. horrific things happening in Aliens, yeah. but it it's it's more it skews action big time. Yeah. Let's see. Um, 
guess we could talk about the cast and crew uh, if we'd like. Um, movie stars, of course, of a young unknown Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. Uh, Tom Skerritt as Dallas. John this Hurt as Kane. Picket fences. Pre picket fences. Pre Top Gun. Oh which, yeah, he's I mean, in when that you, too. yeah, when you think of yeah, I know picket fences number one, but number two, most people think of him in Top Gun. You know what? I love that scene from. Um, I was thinking about it. I was always I the first time I saw Skerritt. I think of the uh, the part in the movie Ted where uh, Mark Wahlberg, he works at that rental car company and yes, his boss has just like a framed photo of Tom yes. Skerritt <laughs> in his office. <laughs> and he's very, he's very proud of that. Yes. And then uh, he's, he's sort of talking to uh, Wahlberg trying to, trying to pump him up for a potential, uh, you know, ra- rise in the ranks of the rental car company that they work at Alamo or whatever it was. I believe it was Enterprise. And Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg just, I won't let you down goose. And the guy's like, sort of just, he does, it just flies over his head, the reference. Yes. And he's looking at him blankly. And like Wahlberg's like, scare it. And he still looks at him blankly. He's like, Top Gun. <laughs> like he just keeps, he just keeps digging further in. <laughs> like, like, how could you not know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's, uh, and John Hurt is awesome in the movie. Veronica Cartwright, uh, who I guess, was she most, mostly known for birds, the birds? I guess I, she was the star of the birds. Wasn't she? She was in the birds. Tippy Hedren was the main. Actress. Oh, okay. 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 I remembered gotcha. her mostly from uh flight of the navigator. Oh, was she was the mom. Very. Yes. Nicely done. Nicely done. That's not even in her foremost recognized. No, and it or, should be. Yeah, it ought to be for sure. Uh, Harry and Dean Stanton, uh, Ian Holm, all aka uh, Bilbo Baggins, yes. Uh, Yafet Koto, of course, of course. A star is born, and th- those are your major. Um, I guess the the person in the alien suit uh, was it Balaji Badejo? Badejo, yeah. Was the only Badejo, yeah. So there, there was a he. There was a person in that suit, and uh, Helen Horton as the ship's. Uh, artificial intelligence like it's Hal, I guess. Mother. mother. Yes, mother. What a weird what a weird name. I guess it's just bizarre. I just think Principal Skinner, like, yes, mother. Um written <clears throat> by Dan O'Bannon and uh directed by Ridley Scott, who was um he had done things in the past, but I this really began his uh career in this, the late 70s and early 80s as just like the premier sci-fi director. And, you know, ever since he's just been, he's succeeded in every genre imaginable, I feel like. Yeah. Like Ridley Scott is an amazing director. He There's a new movie with, I think it's Matt Damon, uh, where I, I want to say it might be a remake of one of his earliest movies, The Duel or something like that. <clears throat> but yeah, that I have to check that out. Not all of his movies are great. His catalog is pretty wild. Thelma uh, and Louise really sticks out. <laughs> uh, I did he win an Oscar for Gladiator? I know it won Best Picture, but I don't remember if he won Best Director for that or not. Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't remember. Yeah, obviously Blade Runner, uh, The Martian, which is a really good movie. Uh, 
with Matt Damon. You mean awesome the Martian? Too. The Martian. <laughs> and just it, the list goes on and on and on. Ridley is one of the more prolific directors in Relevant. I mean, he's been making movies since the 70s. Uh, by God, and he's still, you know, he can still really go back and do a good job with sci-fi, uh, including uh, a return to the Alien series uh, in the extremely underrated, in my opinion, Prometheus and um, The Covenant. He came back to do The Covenant, and there was supposed to be a third film in that new trilogy, which sadly we are, won't we won't get. That's not going to happen. Which is probably fine because I wasn't extremely satisfied with how things were left hanging. Like I, I didn't love the turn in the in the covenant. Not, not the covenant. Uh, is it is it alien? Is it alien covenant? Yeah, alien covenant. Okay, okay. I only seen it once, and it had some good visuals, and it was definitely horrific. But I was expecting answers to be given for Prometheus and I wasn't super satisfied. Although if you go back and look at, if you watch those two movies and then you watch alien also, I think he, he really attempts to, you know, tie it, weave it together. And he does an okay job. I think I'll give him that. He did an okay job, I guess (laughs) it was passable, but it's very interesting because I was I watched this movie twice this week in preparation. I watched it uh, just you know straight through, and then I watched uh, the commentary, the DVD commentary. Uh, I, I got the the 40th anniversary 4K edition, which man, it looks really it's stunning in 4K. It looks so good. You know that the first scene, the establishing scene or shot of the Nostromo inside where it's the the camera sort of panning through uh, yeah. the different corridors. Yeah. I was convinced that was a little miniature model or something, but that was like really the set that they created. It looks yeah. so good. It's they beautiful. were they were very from what I was reading about stuff while I was watching it. <clears throat> that was one of the things that they were pretty um, utilitarian on was making sure that they got the most out of the sets that they were making. Mhm. They they really did. They they really put a lot of thought into it, and I I know a lot of it was built from. I think they got a lot of. Uh, I think they went to some helicopter and plane junkyards to to yeah. get parts, and you know plastered and spray painted and sprayed you know painted a lot of things to to give it a certain look. It also has like a very cheesy seventies. You know, there, there's just twinkly lights everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Which to me is a very 70s-ish thing of like, oh, if totally you want to make something look high tech, put twinkly lights, especially the the scene where Skerritt goes into his sort of captain's quarters and it's just a white fucking office with twinkly lights everywhere. And a spinny and, chair. And a spinny, ch- he's got that sort of Vader spinny chair. <laughs> and it's like, like so, the keyboard, you press things on the keyboard and like, oh. It makes it a sentence. Like, how how does this keyboard even work? Right. I have no idea. <laughs> like, but I had a problem with that. Like, what? They're, like, what? As as it's as as it's um, you know, they're gathering information. He in another scene with Ripley later in the movie, there there's sort of these like they're asking questions to try and get some answers to things from Mother, and. There, it's like one button press, two button press, whole sentence appears on yeah. the screen. It's like, <laughs> you, have, you have a button for that question? 
Yeah. <laughs> they just what? have macros programmed in for all of the questions. How do, yeah. I was like, uh, sir, could you take a look at this uh, this monitor? Uh, what do you think all these squares mean? Because there's a lot of squares on the screen. Is, is that a thing? Do, should I know what this means? Right. I mean, this is the 70s, so it's not like a lot of these people are extremely familiar <laughs> with uh, what the hell they're seeing there. You know, computers. Uh, but uh, Dan O'Brien, just, just to circle back around to him, he... He is a pretty famous writer. He was a writer for Aliens, the excellent James Cameron follow-up, and uh, Return of the Living Dead uh, in 85. And he's really stayed active with, with just the Alien franchise in general. He's, if you look at his writing credits, I mean, it's just Alien, Aliens, Alien, 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 Alien versus Predator, Alien, Prometheus, Aliens, Aliens. And that's cool. That's really cool that he stayed in the loop. Or is it because not a, it's been a ragged road oftentimes? Yeah, uh, I mean, like once you get past the first two, like the third yeah. one is still watchable, but then yeah. you get to resurrection, you're like, is it? I, let me. <laughs> I know I David Fincher has disowned that movie. Uh, he doesn't even. Yeah, claim I mean, it's, any. <laughs> it's not, like that's like I hate that's one of those early entries in his career because like this is this is not not great. Uh, it's like, yeah. I'll watch it, but <clears throat> like if he said, you got to watch Alien 3 or Alien Resurrection, okay, I'll take Alien 3. Yeah, you just give me yeah, Alien 3. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I'll take Alien 3. It it was a sharp decline, you know, like, yeah. if you're looking if, if you're looking at a bar graph, it's like peak, and then keep, it's going even higher. I mean, not, not a ton higher, because Alien was so good, but it the, the progress bar is, if it's going down, it's very gradual, like very, you know, not a very steep decline from Alien to Aliens, depending on who you talk to. Some people say it went up. But then it's like, oh, the cliff, you know, Alien 3. <laughs> and then like, Alien Resurrection is like... <laughs> and then Alien versus Predator. <laughs> See yeah, like, oh, this... Just, I no. say that, and I've seen all of these movies in theaters, folks. I've watched them all. Well, okay, let's see. <clears throat> I didn't see Alien or Aliens in theaters because my mom, my parents weren't crazy. And I didn't see Alien 3, unfortunately. that I was going to movies around that time, but I had, you know, when you're younger, you have to sort of budget your your movies that you, you can convince your parents. Yeah. And, it, and it was an R-rated movie, I assume. I, I wasn't going to just be able to get into that easily. But when it came out on video, I was all over it as soon as it came out on video, and I was instantly disappointed. <laughs> oh. Is it aliens or is it aliens to the third power or whatever? Like, I hate, I hate that <laughs> weird kind of iconography, like that, that, the way that they did that. Alien I just times don't. Alien times alien. Yes. <laughs> Still doesn't matter because it's really pretty shitty. And there was only one alien in the movie, right? So uh, I don't get it. No, there the were a couple colony. of aliens. Yeah, I don't know. It's not about aliens. This is about alien. So good, so amazing. It was. It holds it, up like crazy. It felt like they really tried to combine the first and the second. Like they tried to combine that. Like, oh, it's an alien. It's gonna. It's coming after them all. But it's yeah. an action movie too. So we're gonna get the alien. And you know, oh, Ripley's a because by that point, I mean Ripley can't be the reluctant hero. She's the badass. So it's like you can't yeah. be that stalking kind of movie because then it just downplays her ability and she's already been, you know, propped up as like, she's going to kick ass. So, 
Right. They kind of pigeonholed themselves into what they were trying to do in there because they're like, well, we did this and then we did that. What if we just mash them together and see what happens? All right, let's give it a whirl. The part where she falls into the, uh, I guess, molten like lava. No, it wasn't lava. It was just like, you know, like it, it yeah. reminded me of Terminator 2, yes. you know, when, when Arnold is is lowered into the... Uh, it's, why, why do I keep wanting to say lava? Steel or something like that. Just yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Liquid like something metal. you would melt, st- liquid, whatever. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And and the alien tries to burst out of her, and like she grabs hold of it, and just like nah, you know, like you're not. Not this out. time, pal. <laughs> I hated that. It looked so cheesy, and I just couldn't stand it. I did the one scene in the the movie that I dug a lot, and taken out of context like if you were to do just like a greatest hits reel of all aliens movies it would make the reel and that's where uh ripley is in the infirmary i think and she's sort of trapped by the alien and it walks over to her and kind of you know like she's like off she's she's trying not to look at it yeah and it's it's toying with her and it's got its little mouth boner thing coming out of his mouth whatever you yes. call it it's it, it's just like toying with her and, and then it, it kind of backs off like, I'm fucking with you, you know. <laughs> ah, gotcha. I got you. I got you so good. And I guess it was because she was pregnant or whatever. Like, she was carrying an alien. I think that yeah. was the reason why it did that. It wasn't I, like yeah. they were tight or anything. Like, <laughs> it was like they oh, hooked shit, up Ripley. One, they I didn't know that was you was with like, that oh. shaved head. <laughs> the alien's standing there, and she's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. Like, eight months. You know that Sinead O'Connor. Like, it's like eight months ago. Oh, shit. That was when we were yeah. at that one party. Um, yeah, I, do you I know just, who the father know, of the the baby is? <laughs> yeah, it's clearly your alien baby. Okay. Yeah. It's clearly. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He's like, oh shit. Ugh. But th- this kind of falls in line with one of those movies where it, it's a dangerous movie to pick because it's it it's hard to talk about it in a way that other people haven't dissected many times before us. So all I can really do is to try and talk about it in a, you know, a way that's unique to, to my, me and my experience as a, as a youngster who, you know, watched this movie for the first time. And I think that's always a really interesting way to approach, you know, discussing a movie. That's something you probably saw for the first time when you were younger. I, I don't, I am curious how old you were when you first saw Alien. Do you have any clue? Uh, I can I can definitively tell you. Um, let me see here. What am I looking at? Who's credits? Oh, oh shit! Prometheus, I have to. Prometheus. When did Prometheus come out? Because I watched it literally right before then. Uh, was it 2015? Was Prometheus 2015? Let me see. Yeah, t- whoa, 2012. Okay, 2012. So you watched you watched Alien in preparation for Prometheus. That'd be that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, it was uh, a buddy of mine wanted to go see it, and I had I had I mean I was I had always been aware of them. <clears throat> yeah, I don't I I I got a I got a thing about space movies. I really genuinely most of the time hate space movies. Um. Yeah, why don't you talk about that? What do you what do you hate most? It's or what what do you, why do you hate space movies so much? 
Well, they because there's there's a whole. I mean, it feels like there's this whole subgenre of these kinds of movies because they have, um, and they they pop up periodically. And the whole the whole mechanism is that you have a a group of people that are trapped in a place just because of the nature of it. Either it's mm-hmm. deep underwater or out in space. And so I was going to ask, do you count those like? Yeah, like you the know, Abyss, Abyss and, and those types of movies, Leviathan, in the scene. and yeah, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't even see Underwater or whatever it was with T.J. Miller and Kirsten. Oh, Kirsten. it was. You know what? It wasn't bad actually. It, I recommend it. I totally recommend it. But uh, so I, it was one of those. I'm like, I just there's there's a part of it where, and I, I think because I missed I missed that intrigue of because I, I it's funny uh, when you were talking about this movie to begin with I, my first memory of it was I was pretty young I would have been like single digits um, when there was a there was an older kid he was probably a teenager and I he lived in our neighborhood it wasn't a kid that we hung out with often but it was one of those like for whatever reason we were hanging out with him one day and he was talking about alien. And like little kids mm. do to try and be cool. He's like, oh, yeah, I saw Alien. And he's like, really? What comes out of its mouth? And I was like, oh, shit. Um, I don't, I don't I have no <laughs> idea. I, I, did, I, I didn't actually see the movie. So, uh, yeah. And so that, I was. Th- this totally seems like one of those movies that a younger kid would be talking out of their ass yeah. to try and, and seem cool. And I very cool. much did. <laughs> so uh, I, got, I got called on that. And so I don't. That wasn't a catalyst in saying, ah! Damn you, Ridley Scott! I'll never enjoy your <laughs> cinematography. I'm, yeah. I'm swearing off these films because of my embarrassment. No, it was just I, I never, I never got around to seeing them. It just I never made a point of it. And when my buddy was like, "Hey, you want to go see Prometheus? You want to come with me?" I was like, "I should probably have some kind of background as to what these movies are talking about." Or I, that was a good call because those two movies really work well together. I think. Yeah, so I went. I went and watched. I got all four of them and watched all four of them, and then we went and saw Prometheus, and I was like, okay. I would have told you to stop sense. it too. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. Watch, and watch then, Alien Three and Resurrection after Prometheus if you feel like you need to. But yeah, and even know, then, it's well, like you probably don't. You probably don't need watch to watch it. Watch it with a room full of people where you can make fun of it and they make and yeah. get some enjoyment out of it because they they beg to be like. Get the uh, mystery science theater treatment away. Oh, yeah. yeah Rift tracks. Could, oh, there's got to be a Rift tracks to some of these crappier alien movies. I hope I there imagine. is. Yeah, I'm going to have to seek those out. But yeah, I, I remember sitting down and, and just putting in the first one, no kind of no real expectations. And by the time it was over, it was like this. I was just, it was, uh, I was, I loved it. I mean, it was like, that was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the whole movie yeah. is like, okay, this is a genuine. I mean, it felt very Hitchcock to me the whole time. I'm like, okay, yeah. And I, even when a I lot was, of people have compared it to a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, I mean, there's the aliens on screen for like four. And minutes. Veronica Cartwright, one of them, she, yes. she and she had worked with Hitchcock. So to her, I mean, that's man, that's a high compliment. That's high yeah. praise for a pretty young, oh yeah, mostly unknown director like Ridley Scott to be to to get that to you know to get the Hitchcock nod. Um, should I, should I talk about when, what my early experiences are with this movie? Oh, I think you definitely should. Okay. I want to say the year was 1985. Um, 
I was visiting uh, my aunt and two of my favorite cousins. Um, we earlier in the day we spent uh, we had fun uh, riding around on in the neighborhood on uh, roller skates, listening to Wham. That's no joke. We listened to Wham. <laughs> I think about I'm Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. Yeah, just having a great, grand old time. A Whamtastic um, kind of day. Yeah, we spent the for it was you know it was like a summer summer day, just just easy breezy, having a good time. Uh, later in the uh, like towards dinner time, you were we have a nice dinner. We're we're playing board games up in one of my cousin's rooms, just such a fun time. And uh, I say so. There, there's happy. There's a happy sort of baseline to the story, but what was going on? In the living room of the and with the adults, they had rented maybe more than just these two, but two movies were watched during the span of this later evening hours. Uh, one of the movies was Ghostbusters, and the other movie was Alien. I I didn't know what the hell either one of them was. Uh, you know, unlike Nick, who has definite memories of wanting to see Ghostbusters. I guess he'd seen some, you know, trailers on television or whatever. He he definitely has memories of seeing the ad from the paper with the Ghostbusters and, you know, what whatever it was, it captured his imagination. He wanted to see that. Like, I had no such thing. I definitely remember seeing that iconic black and red border VHS box of the, just the ghost in the symbol. I definitely remember seeing that but had no context to what it meant. So I, I saw, I walked up, I was just sort of passing through. I wasn't allowed to be watching what was going on. The adults were watching adult movies, not, you know, not adult movies. But adult movies. Movies not meant for small for children. Adults. And uh, I remember peeking my head in, probably trying to get my mom's attention. And this, the scene, see, this was like a Sigourney double feature now that I think about this. Oh, there you go. Maybe that was <laughs> the, Sigourney maybe Weaver, that's what yeah. tied it all together. Some somebody was a big Sigourney Weaver fan. Can't blame him. She's wonderful. Uh, but the you know the scene with the terror dogs and it rips through her chair. Yes. And like she goes, she's like screaming and kicking and it it just the like drags her. Out, yeah. yeah, the hands come out of the and like is clutching her and it carries her to Zool in the fridge. I saw that scene. Disturbing. But but um not too bad. You know, like it it just quickly went back upstairs and started playing board games again. Second thing, definitely more scarring. I don't know. I can't explain the timing of these uh, these events, of these scenes. But I, wa- again, go down, looking for my mom, wander in. My eyes see the scene where John Hurt and yes. the others are having the de- Like, the part of the movie that you would definitely not want a little kid to see. There's so much in the movie that's going on that you could just brush it aside like this is suspenseful you know there even even when you see the alien on screen it's scary but it's it's so quickly shot so that you don't spend a lot of time looking at a rubber monster you know what i mean like yes it's it's very judiciously showed except for the end which you know it's like jaws very much like jaws yeah and uh, but no i i walk in and i see the friggin chest burster scene and it's you know he's like Bro, bro, like John Hurt's just really playing it up. 
And I was Veronica Cartwright in that scenario. I had no idea what was going to happen. And the blood spurts. And I, I'm i pretty sure I went screaming. Like, I, I black out, honestly. I don't remember what happened for the rest of the night. <laughs> I have so many, so many happy-go-lucky memories of that first part of that day. Playing outside. We're skipping rope. We're doing, you know, fun things outside. We're listening to Wham!, yeah, you know, we're having a great time, and uh, it and it ended with kind of uncomfortable scene from Ghostbusters and a just nightmare and a very fuel scene from Alien. <laughs> I I don't have a lot of memories from that time of my life at that age, from like eight or nine. I don't have a lot of memories. I'm pretty. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's Alien's fault. <laughs> So I just, my whole brain just etched a sketch to like two or three years from like eight to 10. Just, we're just going to, let's just, yeah. let's just not focus on this part. Let's just <laughs> we're clear let's that wait out until you. things kind of, you know, dissipate a little bit. But it is cool though, because um, in 1987, uh, again, Aliens was not really in my purview. I had, I didn't know who James Cameron was. I didn't know about the Terminator. I didn't know really about alien even because i just that thing happened out of context i was watching like i had no i didn't even really probably didn't even process exactly that they're just watch. they rented a video and put it in like they could have just been watching the news and this is a live event happening on tv i have no idea i was a pretty stupid kid i'll say that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um but anyways, like I said, etch a sketched from my memory. I can't remember like if somebody took me aside and was like, "Oh, that's make believe." Like, here, I'll pretend to be an alien up to your to your shirt. Like, <laughs> but uh, 1987, one of my favorite memories that that's a great year for me as far as movie awakenings go. I had I was really starting to come into my own, and a part of that was because we had moved into this neighborhood where there was one of those smaller mom and pop type stores um very little it was called video station 2 may have mentioned it before in previous episodes i'm not sure but it's 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 a jiffy lube now so if you can picture in your head like a jiffy lube it it was just stocked to the gills with videos you know and you you knew exactly where the new releases were you knew exactly where the horror movies were you knew exactly where everything was i knew where the nintendo games were i just knew it i knew it like the back of my hand the kids movies Oh, yeah, I definitely miss it, too. And uh, so you would walk to the new release section. Uh, you know, like, I'm trying, I can't exactly think off the top of my head what other movies were in 1987 that were huge VHS movies. But, um, so my older brother was very much wanting to see Aliens. He hadn't seen it yet. And there's the box art. Like, you know, you, when it's a new movie, you got, like, two or three rows of just that movie. And so it was, it was dominating the new release rack. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to look up. I think it's Aliens. I think it just has like a, the blue Aliens logo. Let's see. Aliens VHS cover. Um, no, that's like a newer version. Alien, it's like the green with spilling out of the egg or whatever. Aliens. I feel like Aliens is just like black with like bluish glowing... Or it may have had Ripley and Newt possibly on the front, but it was very intriguing, very, very intriguing to say the least. It, was, it didn't tell you much about it. And if you flip the box over, you do that thing. There's just mostly action-y looking things happening on the back. So um, 
I want to say Top Gun might have been a huge movie that we rented a ton this summer before, 86, I guess, 86, 87 when that came out on video. Uh, yeah, so we're like, let's get Aliens. So me and my buddies, uh, we, we get the Aliens, we, we jump on our bikes, and we pedal home, so excited to see Aliens, and put that fucker in and rocked my world, dude. It, it scared the ever-loving shit out of me, but I was loving it, man. It was so damn good. It just <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely do an Aliens episode at some point oh, down yeah. the road. Um, so I don't want to I don't want to dwell on it too much. But after watching Aliens and and getting in a, in a bit more appropriate context, I was probably 12, 11, 12, whatever. I was I was older. My my etch a sketch brain was just reset, so like I, I could handle a little bit more, and uh, and as you said, there's a lot of action in the movie too to yeah. sort of distract you. There's some humor, there's action, there's no humor in Alien Har- no. at all, hardly. There's a little bit with with Yaffet and Yaffet. Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, he's the he's clearly the I know relief. I know I know the part when he when the microphone stand comes out and he stands in front of a brick wall was kind of distracting and weird yeah, but you're like what he's gonna do 20 minutes of stand I didn't expect this oh I'm, I'm totally right I just found the the CBS Fox VHS image and it is it's just aliens and like a bluish like oh yeah glowing, the glowing letters yeah it's a beautiful box too um but but yeah, there's there's no there's no like moments of levity to be had. It's just like jump scares and tension, you know, with Jonesy the cat. <laughs> but but with aliens, I was able to go, oh, okay, I know this. I'm learning that this is a continuation of a story. And dude, at the video store was like, well, we have one copy of Alien. If you're you know if you're looking for it, it's it's over in whatever section i don't remember where it was i don't think it was it wasn't horror it just must have been like action or maybe science fiction if they had that section up and going um but you know i i consumed it i definitely did and i remember getting uh nick involved uh once i was i think i think he spent the night and maybe i don't know 88 89 and the movie was constantly playing on hbo and uh, you know, cable edited for television. It was on TV every week. <laughs> Aliens was not ne- not necessarily Alien, but and then I showed him, and he was like, "Whoa, this, this is crazy!" So then we both watched Alien, and we both really dug it. And, uh, and then it, so like my fanhood of the Alien franchise was really high. So of course, when in ninety two or ninety three, when Aliens three or whatever came out, big, you know, like what the hell happened? Like oh, you guys took a really great rising franchise, and just shit. yeah, just shit all over, it and they have yet to get it back on track. I tell you, there's there, there's a comic that's in probably its seventh or eighth uh, issue right now. There's a book that just started this year from Marvel, and uh, I see, you know, clickbaity articles constantly. Like now we know this about face huggers, and now we know that. And, uh, and I always will read the spoilers. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, cause I'm going to have to get when, whenever that series is done, I may have to try and look for a trade paperback or something and read that. Cause I feel like that might be what you need to, to satisfy your, that, you know, like that continuation of yeah. alien aliens. And then you get, you know, this book. Uh, but I, I keep reading amazing things about the, uh, Marvel series. Uh, and well, I don't know if that's I mean, a limited thing or not, but. When you think about, I mean, we got Halloween, you know, Halloween Kills is about to come out in a couple weeks here. Mm-hmm. And that's 
uh, that's a reboot that really just kind of cut everything from underneath. It's like, okay, we've had all this other stuff that's come out that's, oh. Yeah. And I like that it just kind of says, we're just taking a whole new timeline. We're cutting out canon. This is its own story. It's a continuation. So, I mean, we do have Lori. It's Jamie Lee Curtis. So we're just taking it a different direction. And it would be nice do the same thing. You just say, well, we we have Alien and we have Aliens. And those are really good movies. So what we're going to do is we're going to take that as a foundation and we're going to spin it off into this. We don't need to... You know, we don't need to clarify this or that. We're just going to make our own story and roll with it. Yeah, and that doesn't erase um, no. the other movies from existence because I, you know, I don't. I know I'm hard on all the other movies, but I'm sure that there it has. You know, those movies have their fans, and they're not totally irredeemable. There are definitely some cool stuff in. I really can't think of anything cool that happened in Alien Resurrections. Like that well, was that's, the that's, the mutant alien uh, human hybrid thing sucked. It it was horrifying, but it I didn't like that at all. That was not for me. It, and you would think that, that if was, you added Ron Perlman to an alien movie, and it's written it's written by Joss Whedon. <laughs> like what the fuck and, happened? And and that just goes to show you, like, hey, you, you can. People, people that you love can make really horrible, shitty things. Yeah, I mean, I know we're all supposed to hate Joss right now, but but for a while he was could do no wrong. Oh, he was on top of the world. He was. So uh, that that's my sort of history, um, the unabridged history of of Alien, the first two Alien movies. Uh, should we should we talk about some more about just this particular movie? Things things we liked, things we didn't like. Yeah, the I'm I'm totally fine to do that. I um, okay. Can I, I can I admit something to you that I'm I'm kind of ashamed to admit? Honestly, this is a safe space for us okay. all. <laughs> all right. So the planet that they received the distress beacon, the crew of the Nostromo, when they they're awakened from hypersleep to go down and look into, uh, you know, well, to go get the alien, more or less. Um, that alien, that that planet. I'm so ashamed to admit this. That planet is the same planet with the colonists from Aliens. And I did not realize that. I am such a dumbass. <laughs> and it makes sense. It totally makes sense that the, the all of the aliens from the ship that were in the eggs. Yes. You know, you know, hatched and bred and we're just waiting there. And you know, not much. the 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 Whalen Utani Corporation is the true. I've and I've heard this. I'm not. This is not like I'm coming up with this epiphany or anything. They are the true villains of these horror movies. They're just ruthless and awful. <laughs> uh, multiple times would just send people uh, totally expendable expendable lives. Like even in the one scene in the Alien when the the the, the crew expendable or whatever. Yes just terrible man like what a terrible company and we 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 get a we get a look a little bit of a look at that in the later movies of of you know uh oh gosh what's his face um who played the whalen guy the old man from prometheus oh I think it was, yeah i can't he he's he's a director but he's also actor like i can't think of his damn name now terrible i'm a terrible cinemaster but uh, anyways, just just to not get too off track, uh, 
the the Whalen Yutani Corporation is just terrible. They're just awful. <laughs> and I don't know if it's like it's supposed to be like really heavy handed. Um in the seventies, like all oh, corporations are evil and consumption is evil. Oh, Guy Pierce. Sorry. I just want to look Guy Pierce. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for remembering that. Um, and I really liked him in Prometheus too. I thought he was, he played that character really well. And David too. Like David's amazing in Prometheus. Not, oh, Michael Fassbender was Michael Fassbender. Oh. One of the best parts of both that and covenant. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. He was the best part of covenant. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Numi, Numi, was it, is it Numi Pace? Was she in uh, Numi or Pace, it, yeah. Yeah, I was, I, I was most upset that they did not bring her back for uh, Covenant. I hated that. It, it was, it was as a big a sin as when they killed off uh, Newt and, um, you know, Michael Bean from, from, you know, Aliens to Alien yes. 3. Like, that was such a sin. Like, I hate that. And I get that they did, and part of it could have just been because, like, well, you know, they're drifting through space and they're found like they, they, that little girl can't be a little girl anymore. So they just kill yeah. her off. That make, that kind of makes sense. Um, but, but why Michael Bean, you know, like why it, you know, he was still making movies. He was in tombstone. It could have brought him back. That just doesn't make sense at all. And he, he and Sigourney had good chemistry in aliens. Oh yeah, they did. Ah, fuck. What could have been, what could have been, um, a much but better yeah, three. I, <laughs> I I mean I'm I'm just blown away by what they were able to achieve with such a modest budget even, even I know I know 11 million dollars in 1979 money is a lot. I'm not going to bother to look at the price inflation and everything. I'm sure I'm sure it's a lot. But I don't know if the the inflation would be over 100 million. You know, I really doubt that. Oh, especially think considering about, nobody wanted to make the movie. I mean, initially. Oh, they, no, I, I didn't. Uh, I did. Oh, yeah. Wasn't I, I think I maybe I did hear about that where Ridley Scott was. So Dan. Oh, uh, uh, Brian. What, what is this? Is Dan O'Brien? The writer. Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, he was he was going to be the director and wanted to be the director. Uh, I've learned, but they just weren't gonna, they didn't want to give it to him. But then also many people passed on directing Alien, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it's. I, I think science fiction probably had a cheesy kind of rap to it. And then Star Wars comes along and it's very serialized and kind of cheesy too. It was a massive success. And then also we, we learned that Star Trek was another big movie from 1979. So sci-fi, very profitable, uh, you know, emerging genre yeah. for film. Why, why wouldn't like, why wouldn't you read the script? And aside from the, the one thing that I learned from just watching the commentary the only thing that really where the studio kind of meddled and, and put in their note and sort of ruffled the feathers of uh, Daniel Bannon was they wanted to have a, and it's really interesting listening to him tell the story in the commentary. So definitely, you know, buy, go buy that 40th anniversary 4k and what it's so good. I'm, I'm telling you and I'm telling all our listeners, like just it's worth the money. It's not that expensive. And uh, definitely listen to the commentary for some really interesting takes on a lot of things. Uh, as I was telling you offline before we started the show, the way the commentary is, it's a little bit different than what I'm used to, where you have um, a set group in the recording studio. And it, sometimes it could be a large group of people. Sometimes it can just be one or two people. But it's usually just the same people always. But in Alien, the 40th 
anniversary edition. I think the commentary was from 2003, maybe. Um, it, it had multiple groups of people, and you could tell they sort of cut it together. And if someone had interesting things to say, they would kind of go to that group of people to talk about a scene or just something that was interesting was going on. And they had sort of the four, four of the main actors, um, Scarrett, uh, Hurt, uh, Cartwright, and Stanton. They, they were their own group. Then you had Sigourney and Ridley. Uh, Rid- Ridley Ridley spoke through almost all of it. So I, I think maybe he was by himself a bit too in it. Uh, so, but they they were sort of paired together, the two biggest names. Uh, and then you you had um, the writer Daniel Bryan, and he had some interesting things to say. And that's kind of a long winded way to get around to my point. He did not like the studio's insistence of Ian. Um, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's yeah, he did not like that they wanted to make him sort of the uh, secret bad guy of the movie. The way he put it was, in during this time in the Cold War era, they there was always a spy. There was always a secret, like, you know, Russian spy who was along for the journey all along. And at some point in the film, you just expected him to spring out, reveal that they're a traitor, they're a spy, and then, you know, provide some sort of uh, antagonist for the group, like a secondary antagonist. Like, there's always, like, the A antagonist or, yeah. you know, sometimes it's not, like, a single person, but just whatever it is, the, the, the a series of events that is they're up against, the, the situation is sort of the antagonist. And then he, he hated that. Um, they insisted to have that character written in. And so he's, he's sort of going off on that. He did not like it. He, 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 I think believes that it, the movie would be even better if it was just written out. And cause I don't think he believed that. Uh, in fact, he says, so even if, even what we got in the film really is unnecessary. Not that uh, Ian Holmes character isn't good in the movie. Cause I think he's actually really, really good. Oh yeah. Um, the scene where he it's revealed that he is a an android, and he's like you know the the white bead of android juice blood whatever the yeah. hell that is that never that always bumped me weird because I don't think he got cracked on the head or anything it was just like he was sweating that shit yeah you know it was because there were he, some aesthetics was, there that were just really kind yeah. of unsettling you're like I don't even yeah if you if you omitted this part i would still be okay with the whole decision because this is just what is going on here yeah but um yeah it's weird but i i'm really glad they did add it because it's very memorable all the parts where you know when when yafet barges like storms in and uh ash ash is the character's name in in the in the movie he is just kind of throwing Ripley around. Uh, she, she's, you know, the others are off, you know, dealing with the alien. And she is trying to get to the bottom of what's happening. And then she learns that uh, they were sent there. Like, it was really all along. Because the Nostromo was a commercial, uh, was it a mining? Yeah, it was a mining. Uh, like a like towing. That. I don't know. It's, it, it's just like. You know, it's just like a, a, a construction vehicle, basically a yeah. space construction vehicle. They're just towing raw material, as I'm guessing, you know, from wherever they're drilling for the materials to back to Earth, I guess. 
Yep. And they're awakened halfway. You know, like, I, I don't know if they went out there all along knowing that they're going to make that stop or if just a cert, like something happened. Because I can't believe that w- the Whalen Utani Corporation knew about the space jockeys because they, they never talk about. Um, yeah. Like, we, we know after Prometheus that the space jockeys are this race of beings who are um, travelers, who are, they're seeding worlds. They seeded Earth with their own DNA. And, but then there's this, and we've talked about it before, and it's very fascinating to me. You know, like, they did that on one hand, but then on another hand, they're, they're I guess, unhappy with what's happening with the you know the human beings or earthlings and their their plan is to 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 wipe the slate clean basically with this bacteria or these aliens and then what we see in in uh the crash derelict ship on the planet with with the space jockey like we just you know like it all like I just loved Prometheus how it was able to tie the visuals you know you got we haven't even talked about um, H.R. Geiger uh, that dude has a, a freaky mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Hans, he sleeps at night, really. Hans Rudy Geiger. I'm sure it's not Rudy. Rudy, Rudy it's he's. I think he's from Switzerland or something originally. Very strange dude. Uh, ahead of his time, like all wore all black, just like a real kind of. Um, Tim Burtony type that that's the when I when I hear people describe him and I when I see like I just imagine a Tim Burton of the 70s and before he, he was an artist you know he's a famous artist yeah and he he really came up with a lot most of the aesthetic the memorable aesthetics of alien because the the human craft are again it's just sort of repainted repurposed um aircraft from modern time just to make it look there's twinkly lights everywhere but then you get on the derelict spaceship and you know and you look at the aliens and there's just it it's this beautiful blend of sci-fi and like this organic kind of look to it and that's what his art and in style is what like there would be no franchise if it wasn't for hr geiger like that dude was he was cr- like I would not want to be in a room alone with that guy like he freaked no, me out no, I'm never. sure not even a little uh, bit just just his artwork and you know some of some of this like you know there's there's a really interesting scene in the uh, commentary where one of the visual effects guys was talking about the whole process of getting artwork from Geiger <laughs> it's funny uh, they, they you know they're 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 sending over cause he, he's in Switzerland or whatever. And they would, they're the, the, the creative crew there in, in Hollywood. And they would, he would send over, um, art, you know, like we, we need, we need to come up with the, the design of the face hugger. And, uh, so like they, they, you know, they, they would get these pieces of, you know, rolled up artwork and it would come through customs and people would be disturbed by what they'd see. They're like, what the hell am I looking at? Cause his, his style is so um, it does. It's not cartoonish. It looks very scientific and and realistic in an alien way. And uh, I mean, I can't imagine what it what a person would would be thinking if they were to to look at that. Because I know they do that in customs. You know, like they'll they'll open stuff up and make sure that things are coming in that shouldn't be, or things aren't coming in that shouldn't be that kind of deal. 
Yeah. And uh, so he gets it and he's just like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And I love, I love the way that it has like, it looks like it has like fingers and knuckles and it's just, he was like, we, we have to make this, like we're using this. And he took the art to Ridley and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And, and then they, they came up with it and they were gonna, they were gonna make it like a greenish color at first. But when they, when I guess they, they, did the model of it it's this sort of poly uh what do you call it what's that kind of material where it's like foamy and like the plaster you know like when, when yeah. they make puppets and like or or when they do casts or yeah, like, mold, like of, yeah. masks of people the mold yeah it, it looked it was fleshy colored that's that's just how it comes out when they first you know uh take it out of the process and he's like he can feel like we're, let's keep it mostly this color, this fleshy kind of color, and that 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 was a stroke of genius because it gives it it does it gives it that organic. And I know they would use like uh, oysters and sort of uh, raw fish and things to kind of, especially with the face hugger when they're dissecting it. Like that's just a big oyster, and they they're just using all these like seafood, like fresh seafood to give it that realistic look. Well, every every choice the they made, too, they did that. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's so good. It's, it's such, everything is just an amazing choice. And, uh, when, when you have a movie as good as alien, like everything does just have to come along perfectly. Like there were no bad choices and at $11 million, 11 million budget. I mean, damn, I got to give it up. I really do. Um, shit. So I was talking about HR Geiger and, and, the in the ship, they find this ship. Most of the fun of the movie is like for me, at least personally, that first thirty minutes or so where you're seeing the crew kind of interacting normally. I, I love, I love the you know the sort of uh, groaning and moaning of Harrodine Stanton and and Yafet about their their extra half percent shares. Yes. You know, they're they're like they're kind of the engineers of of the crew. And and Harry, you know Harry Dean Stanton's he's well he's got like that kind of Hawaiian shirt and he's got the floppy loose hat and he's just sort of he plays you know, that same guy pretty much in every movie he's <laughs> been in since Alien he really does he's one of those guys where if he's just that dude I'm sure he just wore that from home you know we're gonna need you <laughs> working did. on something mechanical just I don't even care what just grab you a little carburetor and tinker with it while yeah. you're sitting at the table yeah. But I, I love the interaction, you know. Like I, I love Tom Skerritt as as Dallas as as sort of the captain of the ship. Uh, John Hurt, I, I just dig him. I like his look. I love his sound. I just like the way he sounds. Um, the one thing I didn't like though is when they wake up from hypersleep and they're wearing like weird diapers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? You've got this sort of kind of bizarre low angle, like Dutch. No, it's not a Dutch angle, but. Like, why are we so zoomed in on John Hurt's baby diaper? Like, I, it, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had an answer for you, but it, there is nothing that makes any sense. I've seen Alien probably a dozen times, and I'm always blown away, blown away by the weirdness of his penis. Like, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like this is. I don't feel like this is necessary. Why? Is no, this, no, I, I, I don't have? either. I really don't either. Uh, I, I feel like I'm talking about this movie mostly. Tell me, tell me how you feel about the the like. What are some of your favorite parts of the movie? Like, what what to you makes Alien stand out so much? 
Oh, uh, well, I, I like, I, I'm glad that um, they had the whole Ian Holm thing uh, being a, an alter, uh, alternative um, sort of uh, antagonist to the movie. Um, cause, and I think, I think if there's one thing that I wish they would have done, cause I mean, it's, it's, it's just under two hours in runtime, but honestly yeah. it feels like it goes by pretty quick. Um, for, oh yeah, it really does. Uh, like I, I mean, as Mo- a lot as, of the movie is like pff, not even the alien on board. It's yeah. just a lot of their day to day stuff. And then there's a, there's a long sequence of them landing on the planet Yes, and just sort of, you know, dealing with the the repairs of the ship because they they came down kind of i guess hard on the on the you know that that surface that terrain was not meant to be uh, have a spaceship landed down on it which i like i i get as a plot device it had to happen that way but it was kind of funny it's like you have this massive spaceship and like it lands kind of wrong on a small rock (laughs) <laughs> and rather than the weight of this gigantic spaceship essentially crushing that rock and making the the spaceship land, but because it's it's right there at the end, they're like, "All right, the countdown's done. We've basically landed." And then everyone, yeah. goes, "Holy crap! Ah, what? Put this, <laughs> the fire, there's fires everywhere. What happened?" It was like, "Well, we kind of landed a little rough on the. There's some there's some small pebbles out there that made the. It's surface funny that of- you're trivializing that so much because Dan O'Bannon was. So proud of how realistic and how, how just like, you know, he, he would, he lamented about how so many times, like he would write something down on a page and then when he sees it on the screen, it's like so many concessions were made, but pretty much that entire landing sequence was exactly as he had written it and imagined it. And I wonder if it was the tiny rock, you know, <laughs> I was like, all right, now uh, it's nice and slow. Get a good slow countdown. The whole thing. <laughs> get all the air, yeah. compressed air. All right, slowly. Let's really draw this shot out. All right. Right. Watch the little, see how the, uh, it's like a claw kind of foot and it kind of comes down on the rocks. See yeah. how massive this thing is. And clearly it would, it would crush, it would crush rocks. It would just do yes. that. Yes. Oh, it, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't here. It doesn't happen. That small it's, rock. That it's, oh, it shakes the entire ship. And oh, oh well, no. It sprained, it sprained its ankle, man. <laughs> It, the whole thing, no. Oh, we've got 17 hours worth of of mechanical work we're going to have to do because we landed sideways on a pebble. No. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, no, that's really funny. I, I, I thought the same thing, and I, which, which really made it funny when Dan O'Bannon was crowing about how good that part was. <laughs> Well, He's like, yeah, man, because you when you land on when you would land on a a surface like that on a planet, it wouldn't go smoothly, you know. Like, because it of kind of did though. All it of the experience did. he has landing on other planets. Right. Well, well, every time just, I've landed on another planet, it, that happened, look, and it was he really, really he poo pooed the whole ash story. Uh, so you know, maybe he's not the greatest. Well, maybe he's not the greatest. The what I what I like about the Ash story is because it kind of it lends itself to an uncomfortability that you kind of go back and get then throughout the entire movie because you're sitting there and you're you're watching this and you get this I mean like the opening shots are all it's very quiet very sterile and yeah. then you have everybody you have this kind of contrast where it's like okay now there's life we have this very you know just there was nothing. And it's almost it's a little ominous in its in its own right, because things are happening. The ship is coming to life on its own and it's waking the people up. 
Yeah. And then you then you have this life, and it's oh okay, and you get it's you get acclimated to that, and so you have right. the, okay, everybody's joking around, and you know it's you have this very familial feel to it, which it was good to set up early because one of the things, and if it's not even necessarily a critique, but honestly, I would have been okay if they would have added 15, 20, even, even close to 30 minutes to the entire film to stretch yeah. some of the stuff out. Just, yeah. Like remember the parts in Prometheus where David is kind of, um, bored on the ship as the human yeah. beings are in, uh, you know, uh, you know, cryo sleep or whatever. And he, he's just doing his, you know, just doing things to, to stay busy. He's doing busy stuff throughout the ship and that that plays out for a few minutes it's really interesting well and because there's i mean one of the one of the things that i think i would have enjoyed even more i enjoyed it but i think it would have yeah i think it would have landed even better would have been if there would have been um uh a li even just a little bit more of a heightened tension because i think that's mm -hmm. one of the things but between the people because that's what, like you get that early mm -hmm. on in Ripley really wanted to follow procedure. It's like, hey, I get it. We all know um, John Hurt. We all love him. Yeah. But, I mean, he's got something foreign attached to his face, and you just want to bring it on the ship. Like, yeah, you're letting emotion dictate what we should do here, and you're making me out to be the asshole. Yeah. But really, I mean, when especially, it's like you never get that I told you so moment, but it's like throughout the entire thing, it's like, okay, one by one, everybody does die. Because yeah, well, Ripley that. was not gonna let them into the ship yeah. at all. She she was very adamant that there had to be a quarantine. And Ash, of course, now that we know what his agenda was, yeah. uh, we know. But he it's played off so well. He's um, he's got that, one thing he's about got a sneaky air about him throughout the entire movie, which I, I like. Is like yeah, so there's something oh, like yeah. you can't put your finger on it, but there's something about because like he doesn't he doesn't seem like a villain, but there's just something no. about him that makes you a little uncomfortable. Right. And he, I don't think that the crew I, now. So some of the crew's roles are very clearly defined to me. It feels like, but I'm not sure what Ripley's role necessarily is. I don't know if she's, is she more pilot? Is she more, uh, what, what is her role on? It seemed, on, it seemed like, like co-pilot second in command. Yeah. Like, because uh, that's that's one of those things that's always kind of that's kind of funny about it too. Is clearly you can't have, I mean, you don't want to have a uh, you know a crew of five hundred people. I mean, which is kind of funny when you when you look at the size of the ship and yeah. you realize that seven people are manning this giant ship. Right, it seems. I mean, like that's that's one of those things where it's like you know it's one of those those uh, pieces of the sweater. If I really wanted to, I could tug and I'd be like, okay, so if you had something to go wrong on this side of the ship. With seven people, it's going to take somebody, you know, 30 minutes it to almost, get to the other side of the ship. It almost seems like the way that they're interacting with one another, they, they could all do each other's jobs. Yeah. You know, because Ash, Ash was clearly the science officer on the ship. He was the science officer, and, and you know, Ripley even challenges him at one point. It's like, what what makes, like, why you, you, the science officer, and I would argue that the science officer, would, what his opinion would be very valuable in a scenario such as this but you know her her this being more of a commercial rig 
maybe not. Maybe not. Like, I, I guess it's just, it's a science fiction movie. You got to have science officer. Well, and that's, but that's one of the other things about it that, uh, just when I, I feel like when you're paying attention to it, like the, it, uh, cause I don't, I don't think it's a miss. I think I, th- I feel like it's done on purpose. It is. Um, but it's the, uh, the Dan, fact Dan that O'Brien, Dan O'Brien on purpose wrote the, was very like kind of nebulous as far as the, the characters themselves. Like he did not want to spend 15 to 20 minutes, th- this like 15, 20, even 30 minutes that you're saying that you would have liked to have seen to maybe, maybe kind of round out the characters, give, give them a little bit more backstory maybe, or even just, just even flesh just interaction out a bit. in between, because mm-hmm. like as each person, cause it's kind of like as each person dies as each, I mean, yeah. as like the numbers start to dwindle, mm-hmm. I feel like there was if there if there was anything it's not it's not that they did it wrong but I feel like it's if anything I would categorize it maybe as a missed opportunity for yeah. that that human part of the the fear to really over overwhelm people be like you know because it was I, I get I get that okay we have a direct like let, all right this here's we need to have a plan we need to know what we're doing next and so it was very driven like all right let's do, all right we you know we can't take time to re, to to think about the fact that Dallas is dead. We can't like, okay, what are we going right. to do next? And yeah, they, it, it even feels weird when, when, um, John Hurt's character dies that they pause to shoot him into space. Yeah. Uh, right. Because the ship is large. The exterior of the ship seems very big, but once, once they're in the ship, it doesn't feel that big. No, it doesn't. There there's, there's definitely like le- levels of the ship. But they they move around in it pretty quickly, it seems. Yeah, um, and it, it just it just feels very claustrophobic. So I don't know why they when one one member I, I guess it's just once they saw how because the aliens constantly growing and, and evolving yeah. it changes you know like when they first see it it's this very little thing almost kind of like a baby rat you know it's just yeah. it comes out shows its teeth it it almost doesn't look like the thing has a grill like a gold grill yeah i don't know what that is steel teeth i don't know but it it scurries away carrying its 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 cane and top hat yeah and we, the next time we see it it's very large like we get we get that moment where uh you know harry Dean stanton he sees sort of the shedding of its skin like a snake kind of a reptile yes. which was cool i like that that's to let you know like oh this thing's grown yeah, it's not it's this grown. size anymore, and it's, no. it's either here or was recently here. Yes, yes, very, very well done there, and uh, so everything's very brisk and fast paced. And I know that Dan O'Brien, his point was like, I don't, he just, he just like, I don't give a fuck about any of these people, really. I don't care where they came from. I don't care what their thoughts and des- like what their desires are. They're just here to die, basically, <laughs> and that's how he wanted it. And I know there's an extent there. There's an extended cut of this movie. Uh, it's it's on the 40th anniversary disc that I have. I I chose theatrical because I wanted to you know be like usually when I'm talking about things like in in the way we do in the show, I'm just gonna watch the theatrical version. Even though I like watching extended cuts and director's cuts of movies, I might have to go back and watch that just to see what gets added in. I don't know how much longer if you go and watch the, the if if you go and watch the deleted scenes, I'm pretty sure that's just. Because I, I watched well, the 2003 director's cut. 
when Ripley is doing the whole overriding the system to to cause a self-destruction, which is a funny trope in these movies. Like, I don't understand yeah. why there even would be a self-destruct sequence. Like, why? It's not a military uh, craft. I, I, I could almost see in, in a, like a military craft, especially in the Cold War, you wouldn't want uh, someone to, to capture your craft and, and learn, you know, valuable secrets and whatnot. Uh, but why why this commercial vessel? Like, why does it have a self-destruct sequence? I like how they played that up in Spaceballs. Dude. In the event we have to blow up this dump truck. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Right, why would that be exactly. A, what that would shouldn't be, the purpose be a thing. Of that? But I think, I think one of the deleted scenes, and I believe I maybe have seen it, is Ripley comes across uh, Dallas kind of in uh, cocooned up a little bit yeah. from the alien and and. Either, either he's about to have his ch- the chest burst scene. Like, I feel like I've seen a scene. Like, maybe it was just a deleted scene out of context. Maybe not completely finished. Like, it didn't look... It looked a bit more raw, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but that that might be something. And maybe that's all it is. Maybe, maybe it's, like, a matter of, like, two extra minutes. It, and if, uh, that's, if so, that's disappointing. But From what I could tell... Um... Because I uh, I watched the, the the director's cut from 2003, and then I switched over to 1979 to see what the deleted scenes were. And mm-hmm. as I was watching, I was like, oh, "Okay, these are they just really just added all these back in to make the 2003." Because the the one scene that I do really like that they added in is, uh, <clears throat> um, and I, I I guess I don't know I I don't think it's in um, or I don't know that it's in the 1979 version in its entirety but uh when um when harry dean stanton is when he's about to die and he's in that room mm-hmm. where there's the chains and the water and, and all that mm-hmm. um, yeah. there's there's a part of that where it cuts to and it's just for a couple of seconds but and you could mostly see the outline but you can clearly see the alien hanging from the yeah. chains just kind of rocking back and forth oh okay and it's like because you get to see the alien so infrequently it's one of those it's nice that like you get this visual of it um and it's not uh it's not like you're uh, like it's not in your face so it doesn't ruin it ruin the whole aesthetic of it's elusive and you don't get to see it all often because it's meant to look like one of those giant you know pieces whatever those things are that are just hanging in that chamber it's blending itself in by just yeah. ripping these chains and kind of rocking back and forth with the rest. I of I love everything. how the alien uses its like look to, to yeah. camo. It's like especially the final scene when it very cleverly because it cuts off Ripley, and you know because remember she tries to run back and dis and yeah. like you know cancel the self destruct because she's cut off from the the escape ship, the shuttle. And then, but it's like, no, no, I'm going to, I want to ride with you, man. Like, I know what's happening. I want to get off of this, this. You're not going like to blow me up. Yeah, right. Fuck that. I'm surviving. And I, I just really dig how it kind of like wedged itself in. And it has like, it looks like it has like rubber black tubes, you know, like, yes. like as part of its skeletal and its body. It, it did. It just, it was such a wonderful scare and shock to see it sort of uncurl out slowly taking its time <laughs> as Ripley's 
helpless in her the tiniest pair of panties I've ever seen yeah, in my that, entire I'm life. Just like, <laughs> it's just like a strip. It's just like a I'm, white. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, and I'm just like, <laughs> I, I don't feel like this is supposed to be like alluring. No, that's no. Like this well, isn't a I, scene where I'm like, ooh, look, she's it was like. She's clearly been in distress. Like I would feel a little right. weird. Be like, yeah, she's look, she's looking pretty good. It was like, nah, this I feels know. weird. And I'm just like, did they just not have underwear that fit you properly, or you just didn't want to pull? Like, what? What is the again? It's like the this? diaper, but her her yeah. diaper is a bit more of a bikini cut. So yeah, it's like this is it's odd. not sexy, and that's not a knock on Sigourney Weaver because she's no. beautiful. She has a beautiful figure, especially, I'm sure, back then. I don't know how old she was when this movie came out, but clearly very in her prime. And <laughs> she's just this loose, poopy diaper thing. And, yeah, so you weird. Know, like, <laughs> it is so weird. I'm so distracted by the underwear. Maybe that's just a 70s thing. I don't know. Uh, but she was 30 I, that, when that was just out. 30? Oh, wow. Okay. So she was a little bit older than I thought. Um that me mentioning that was just so that I could get to the weird panties. <laughs> like I just had to get, I had we just, to needed, talk we just about, needed that. I I'd talked, I'd already talked so much about John Hurt's bizarre, uh, diaper briefs. And I was like, I want to talk about some more underwear. I just want to talk about the odd underwear choices. Wardrobe this is a, for this an movie. all underwear. This <laughs> mostly what we're shooting for here. Anyone who anyone who came up in the who who was a young lad in the seventies and 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 is just on top of what all all the sexy ladies the the were, were wearing like is that was that a, an appealing thing I don't know it just was not flattering to her in any way <laughs> it, and it, yeah it just and any like the setting because they had when I was reading through some of the trivia because there's a lot of trivia oh um, I, I bet it just goes I for bet. days. There was originally supposed to be a sex scene between Dallas and um, Ripley. And oh, because like, I thought Dallas and Lambert were supposed to be an item, kind of. So that that's interesting that there was some sort of sexual tension written yeah. out of, of Ripley and Dallas. Hmm. Yeah, Skerritt was like, I don't think it makes any sense, and I think it interrupts the, the pacing of the movie. And so he, he yeah. talked to Ridley Scott about I'm it. Glad, I'm glad they made that choice. Yeah. I think he's right. He's 100% right. In the nineties, they would have shoved it in there for oh, sure. Yeah. But that's like if I would, if you would have, there would have been anything. some Inya playing in the background. Oh, yeah, just like what is this? I don't need this right now. This is not helping anything. It's like why? I mean, I appreciate seeing Sakoni Weaver's erect nipples and all, but this is there's an alien on the loose. Like people are dying here. Did you guys not realize that? That's a. Uh, but that, like oh, that's. Oh my god! I think that's the thing. Is like. Um, because when when Tom's like I was uh, even from the last time I watched this to now, which has been a few years now, um, yeah. and I realized I didn't watch it before Prometheus. I watched it before uh, Covenant. It was we were going to see Covenant. I oh okay, so it's okay. it's only been a few years since I've seen these, but uh, I would like um, so yeah, Covenant was 2017. I think. yeah, so it's I've, it's only been four years since I first was introduced to these. I mean, I, I was aware of a lot of the stuff because I've seen Alien versus Predator, so like. There's yeah. parts of, uh, you know, parts, and I've probably seen bits and pieces. Well, just, and just in the, the zeitgeist and pop culture, like you're going to know yeah. a lot of, like, you know, you, you've you seen scenes of Ripley in the in the yellow uh, yeah. walker, you know, yeah. and you've, you've probably seen clips. You've seen all the best parts, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, it's like there, there was not a lot that was 
um, huge surprises as to what you know the movie was going to be about, but it was mm-hmm. all the in between stuff. But in the scenes where Dallas is going through the airlocks, I, as I was watching it, I was like, I think it's it's something that I've kind of realized as I've gotten. I mean, even just in the last few years, getting older, that like I don't I don't have like this overt sense of claustrophobia, or I didn't, mm-hmm. but like I. F- I feel like when I watch stuff now and there's there's anything that really is that like as I'm watching him go that would have given me tension before but yeah. like it really felt enclosed as he's trying to travel through these airlocks and I'm like well he's holding is... a flamethrower yeah I'm like sakes, oh, you're, you're maneuvering a flamethrower in a really confined space yeah this just seems like a lot of poor decisions. I like but, that they left. There, there's a part when he's sort of maneuvering through the air space, the duct, and he, he he's so cramped in, like he knocks his headset off. <laughs> yes, he's like, and oh, I gotta they, get. Yeah, he fumbles to get it back on. I really like that they kept that in. Yeah, it felt very authentic. He's like, oh crap, I'm gonna need this. Right. Let me put this back on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and and then there's an excellent uh, jump scare from from yes. that with the alien in the air duct very cool and i love i love the way that the alien movies used the tension of the uh like motion detectors yes very well i mean you can get a lot of tension out of just seeing little blips oh yeah uh like little dots flashing and and beeps like blips and beeps just extremely well done and you you can I mean that is going to go way further than just a big CG expensive ass monster. Oh yeah. Um, all uh, always. I mean, we I I know you and I probably are on the same page with that. Like you just just the just just suggesting what it is and then letting your imagination run away. Uh, and I I think that the alien, especially the scenes of just like the the xenof- xenomorph head with the mouth opening, like the the drool and s- like slime yeah. and shit like running down its face. I don't need to even see its body, and it's done really well in Aliens. Like the way that they kind of maneuvered, like the 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 when the Queen Alien is battling Ripley on the spaceship. That's a magnificent shot because it's oh, all yeah. it's like puppetry and people in costumes and shit, and it's it's amazing. Like I I would take that over like CG because I know they CG some you know the xenomorphs in the more recent movies and they and it's cool because then you can get them kind of more naturally animalistically walking like scurrying around like ferrets. <laughs> yes, and that's cool and all, but. The way the way they were able to pull off that sort of, you know, you, you with the head and then all of the body and the tail whipping around and shit, like man, that's so good. Like that is one of the coolest, most visceral like things in my mind is is in Aliens with the with the Queen Alien. Like ah oh God, it's just it's such so cool. I just well, can't, I can't verbalize how cool it is. It really well it 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 gives such credence to practical effects because i think that's the thing is in in this day and age we're we're used to that idea that we can just that whatever you thought you could get out of a practical effect you can get more so out of a digital effect and i don't think that i mean like the the i think we're learning that's not the case finally i feel like lessons are learned and good you know it's like jurassic park with with the the marriage of um 
the the practical and the CG. Like if you can just find that perfect marriage, more practical, little bit of CG. Well, because the like that's when you think a about little dabble do. <laughs> when when you think about some of the the most meaningful um, the most meaningful moments in this, some of the especially some of the most iconic ones, they were created and achieved, uh, and it, it's not like they had a lot of options. But mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think that you get the same kind of reactions from people in a chest burster scene that's done with um, CG. I don't think you get the same kind of uh, either the same kind of scream. Well, from- not certainly not from the actors because no. of the reactions of because from what I understand, the special effects guys, they the crew, they all they they kept the actors away on purpose. The only actor that had any clue of what was going to happen was John Hurt. John they, Hurt yeah. He had to be there, right? And they, they kept everyone else away. And then, you know, it's it's a pretty it's it's a factoid that pretty much everybody knows that Veronica Cartwright's reaction in Scream in the movie is her real reaction in Scream. She was not expecting for them to blow blood and guts on her yeah. like that. And that that the actors can really draw from that the, the 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 terror like let them be actors don't make them imagine it in their head well, don't make some, them act against a tennis ball for Christ's so, sake and some of the things that they do i mean some of the things they used to do i mean i know like uh, a lot of the anecdotes about filming like on the shining how horrible stanley kubrick was to shelley duvall um you know oh, yeah. and it, that abusive, that's, yeah. That's not you don't get it's not risk reward. They're like, here, if we really just terrorize her, we'll get a great film. You 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 know, it, it doesn't it doesn't add enough to warrant that kind of behavior. But I know from reading some of the trivias and watching this, one of the things and I know to his chagrin, he he wished it hadn't been the case, but Ridley Scott had uh Yafet um be perpetually uh antagonistic to Sigourney Weaver. So that when mm-hmm. they would have their interactions, she was genuinely just put off by him because even off yeah. camera, like he, she felt like he was a pest, and he was doing it on purpose at Ridley Scott's yes. um, request. And yes. then the yes. slap uh, when Ridley or when uh, Ripley comes down after they just got John Hurt into that the uh, infirmary, when uh, Cartwright comes over and, and slaps her in the face, they did three or four takes where she. Um, where I think it was Sigourney kept pulling away because she was anticipating it. And he finally just told uh, Cartwright, he said, just slap her, just actually yeah. just full on slap her. And yeah. that's, that's where they got the response from. And so some of those is like, okay, I don't know that you could totally get away with that today without somebody saying, yes, you can go ahead and slap me. And a lot of people yeah. that take it seriously that know, okay, you slap me. I it's think, not I be think that, big that deal. You, you just have to be, honest and upfront with your actors you're like oh i need a certain reaction he's yeah. really gonna slap you here she's really gonna slap you here um, and i think a lot a lot of the people today would be okay saying okay yeah. this is gonna get us the reaction is like i right. can't manufacture I, no matter how good of an actor or actress i am i can't manufacture that unless somebody actually slaps me so yes in the next day uh, yeah. go ahead slap me you know and th- that way we'll get what we really want here because it's not like you're gonna put me in a you know, in the sick bay for two days with a slap mark on my cheek. It's like, no, slap me. I got to break my <laughs> yeah. arm. Yeah. Yeah. I I got to say, I'm looking at some of the um, actor profile pictures on IMDb for alien. A lot of, a lot of undo, uh, or not, not undo. I'm just trying to, how do I put this? 
there there's a real MVP uh, vote for me for the actor of uh, Balaji Badejo. Looking, I'm just looking at him, and he's he's in the alien costume. It's just like a black and white photo, and he's a very, yes. very uh, thin, tall man with very long arms. And they yes. had mentioned that in the documentary. He had a very unique body shape, and him him being able to to move around in that alien costume to to give it that authentic look with the person in there, kind of like with Anthony Daniels and C-3PO is a, one immediate example comes to mind. Only only he can do that. Like he's such a thin like actor and you you need that real person in there doing the robotic movements. Like you just couldn't it wouldn't be as cool with CG or if you just had like a a bigger person with like a bigger yeah. costume. Like it has to be it I think it's like the thin man. It has to almost be unbelievable that a real human being is in that thing. You know, like you was like, oh well, the alien had to be multiple people or whatever. Like, no, it's like one one dude, and his arms are really long, and and the 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 actors are really amazed by him. And he, what a what a great performance without saying a word. Uh, I that's the main like the main thing I get. I have an appreciation for that guy. He's he's been dead for a very long time now, but um, knowing just knowing. And, and it had to be difficult. It had to be really hard to, 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 you know, oftentimes what we don't know, the, the conditions that like, is it really hot? Is it really cold? Like we really don't ever get to know that unless, you know, in a commentary, one of the actors or cast members comments on it. I wonder how difficult it was moving around in that very claustrophobic, very tight. And, and, you know, it's, it's very tight. And by the way, they have to have a guy with a camera, like a big camera and a guy yeah. who's steady, who's, sort of guiding the camera guy around through these corridors. A uh, lot, a lot of props to that guy. Well, I know because uh, one, one of the things I was reading when they were filming the scenes, when they were in the, uh, the spacesuits, they said it was, mm-hmm. it was just ridiculously hot and they had to have, yeah. they had doctors on set because everybody kept fainting. Um, and it wasn't until I think, uh, I think it may have been uh, relatives. I don't know, kids or nephews, nieces, I think in one of the scenes where they had, where they were trying to show the, uh, the size of the space jockey. I think when they were in that chamber, I think they used force perspective by having smaller yeah, people. Yeah, I could, uh, I could um, see that. Yeah, I think that was when they may have utilized. Um, it was either his kids or it was some relative of his, but the kids were in the same situation where they were in these suits and the kids kept fainting. So they had to make adjustments there to where it's like okay. This, I, I think those helmets were blowing some sort of uh, toxic. Um, fumes into their suits. Plus, it was fogging up a lot on them. So they, and the suits were bulky. I mean, the suits looked cool. They looked great, and I could see why they put up with it because they did look really cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, again, props for for just putting on that gear, and and making it looks real, making it look really realistic. I. I really miss the art of watching a DVD commentary. That's one very regretful thing about Blu-ray and 4K. I feel like the the art of the commentary is sort of going away. Um, or and maybe it's because we just got all the commentaries on DVD and like nobody wants to come back and and re-record them. And there there's licensing things. Like I think they're they're only good for so long. You can only you can only yeah. have the commentary on a DVD. So I, that that really upsets me because movie fans of you know newer generations are probably going to miss out on unless they go back to it, and you you just don't get those features on digital, 
Like no, every, you don't. everybody like so many people wants to just go digital for the convenience, but you're missing out on all these really uh fascinating and intriguing behind the scenes looks of of these movies being made. Yeah, the uh, you know, and you miss out on things like commentary. Commentaries I think is one of the biggest things. I just got yeah. uh, shockingly, I just got Free Guy as soon as it came out on Tuesday, and I was very happy, happily surprised to find that there were a number of special features that were included in the digital version. So there were uh, there were mm. several features, and because uh, so, sometimes they'll do that, it's like you click on, it, it's like oh, it's two and a half minutes long. It's like well, I'll still watch it because it's only two and a half minutes long, but you know what are you gonna what are you gonna really get into in two and a half minutes? So like there were a couple of them that were like 15, 20 minutes long where like, okay, you're getting, if you're, if you're into the special features, you're looking for additional, like you want to know more about the process. You want to know more about the actors, yeah. the direction, the set design, the special, you know, you want, you want that extra piece to it. It's not just, I enjoyed the movie and I'm done transaction concluded those special features mm-hmm. for the people that enjoy them like you and i and, and probably several yeah other i want to i want to learn prometheus yeah. has a plethora of amazing special features really good stuff and and there are companies like shot factory that are out there that do still go the extra mile and include um <clears throat> you know special exclusive commentary tracks like the <laughs> i watched one of the wizard it was <clears throat> like the the shot factory uh uh wizard set is really really good you you get so many cut scenes that really transforms the look and feel of that movie just and they're just really long they're not just like little like minute yeah. cuts like they're just whole entire scenes just taken out of the movie just for the sake of time uh, and, and, you know, editors have to do that, too. Like, well, we want the tone of this movie to be more like a Nintendo commercial with Fred's. Like, it's the Wonder Years with Nintendo. Can you just do yeah. that? Yeah, I guess so. We're just going to, like, take strip all of the emotional aspects out of the movie. Here, we'll take all the really good stuff. Well, the dialogue, yeah. we'll get rid of. Oh, yeah. One of the characters, I just, forget it. Inst- Here's Power instead Glow. Of the, <laughs> instead of that really emotional scene where Savage is is, is coming to grips with, like, the, 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 the loss of his his brother and all this shit like can we could we instead just have a 30 second clip of ninja gaiden being played on the screen <laughs> how about should, double dragon can we just get some more double dragon we were thinking about you know making this a heartfelt commentary from the perspective of of children um and that are the product of divorce we feel like that would be a really insightful look and helpful for kids to be able to you know identify with and be able to express no oh no you just want teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. okay yeah we'll just we'll no just no 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 i just need to see i just need to see the power glove up close for another yeah, two oh, or just, three seconds just more just, oh you want that guy just <laughs> screaming from the stage while the kids are playing video games on a giant tv yeah we'll, we'll oh that fucking that. guy that guy's yeah, we'll, get, we'll get you a bunch more of that i think he's on in the mighty mighty boss tones or something like, oh. Doesn't he seem like he would be one of the oh, he, one of the he, boss tones that are just sort yeah. of jigging and jiving in the back? He seemed a lot like Dicky from Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just do a soul patch. Yeah, <laughs> might be onto something here. Maybe we stumbled onto this. Maybe he. Is I'm not thing. entirely sure that's not true. You know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know that. To to be honest, I really want it to be true. Like I'm not even gonna look that up. I'm just gonna accept that it is. Yeah. Oh man! Throwing so, caution to the wind. So alien, I, I think I think I've basically gotten all of the talking talking points out of my system. 
we're 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 creeping up on an hour and a half or so uh, uh, episode to length, and that that's a good length. Yes. I feel like the movie, the episode uh, that we're recording, shouldn't ex- extend beyond the length of the feature film. Probably, <laughs> I did have a good. I'm like I'm I'm sitting here and I'm I'm reviewing this and I'm like oh, I had so much Yafit. Yeah, points that I just didn't get to, and I know, I know. Well, we could do a part two episode, or we could just do a Yafit Koto, just you know, in memoriam piece on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he died somewhat recently, right? It's been within the last fifteen years. Yes, (laughs) that's pretty recent. No, he died in twenty twenty one. Yes, he did. Which is still in the last 15 years. So you're technically, right. you're not wrong. Right. You're not wrong. Just gave myself a, a wide net. <laughs> you sure as hell did, man. You were hedging big time. Back in oh, March. Man. March 15th. Of homicide. In the Philippines. Hey, he was in the running man, dude. I mean, Oh, he, oh, he most definitely was. <laughs> he was the flamethrower guy, wasn't he? He, no, he was, uh, um, he was the, the, guy that was running with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay, 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 okay. He was one of the other runners. He okay. was the other African-American guy. Oh, no, Jim Brown was Fireball. Yes. Jim Brown was Fireball. Sorry. Oh, God, I swear to God, I'm not a racist. I just haven't seen that movie <laughs> in such a long time. <laughs> then there's the opera I can so man. Easily, I can so easily picture Yafit with that gray. Oh, totally. Like, oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Damn it. Damn it. Just revealed myself to be such a flaming racist. Oh, well, I mean, I am a white broad, so what are you going to do? Just a couple of white broads. Just a couple of white broads, the Warner Brothers logo. <laughs> that's, that's one us. of my favorite, that's one of my favorite bit of uh, uh, side behind the scenes chatting when I was like, hey, we, what would the, what would the white broads logo even be? And what, like, not even a minute later, you posted the Warner Brothers logo. Oh, yes. I was like, it I was just so like well. the chef's kiss was so loud. I hope you heard it from your place. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, mm, ah. it just fits. It did. It did. And with that, I feel like we're going to have to go ahead and wrap this puppy up and, and, and talk about what our next movie is going to be. Uh, are we, are we solid on that? Do we know what the next movie is going to be? Uh, I, yeah, I pull, I pulled an audible. I'm pulling an audible. Oh shit. I, You're I made pulling an audible. Yeah. I made mention of what I was, thought I was going to go with and I yeah. kind of, I, I waffled a little bit between two things and then chose okay. something else that was neither of those things. Okay, shit. Well, lay it on it's me, like, dude. You know what? I'm just gonna. Uh, I and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit because it's kind of a two a twofer. I'm giving it a twofer because okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch both the 1979 and the 2005 or 2006 Amityville Horror. I need a little I need a little Ryan Reynolds in this list, so I'm gonna need I'm gonna need that. And I was Wait, like, so, do... so we're going to be discussing both movies? Both movies. Holy shit, that is a first. Wow. I, I feel okay. like I feel like that would be a good way to get to an hour and a half. Because so, I could talk a lot about the specifics of the case behind yeah. Amityville, but like the, yeah, the yeah, me 79 too. movie. It's a 1979 movie. It's, you know, there's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'll be our third 79 film, isn't that something? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, We're, Amityville Horror. That's going to be our next flick. That's, that's going to be what awesome. That's what we're doing. 
hey, one thing, do you have access to the internet? Can you pull up a, like a search online? Yes. Okay, I need you to type in your Google search bar and everyone at the same time with me. I need you to type in alien space Geiger. Okay. And I don't know how it's going to, if you're doing this on your phone, I'm, I'm looking on a desktop, but I'm using there is a, okay. 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 So there, there's a row of images of the Geiger art from alien that I was talking about. And then to the left for me, anyway, there is a photo of HR Geiger Swiss artist. He looks like the bus driver played by Chris Farley in Billy He Madison. really does. Those <laughs> mutton chops. This picture? Are... Those mutton chops. Holy Ooh. shit. Damn. <laughs> I couldn't let the episode in without sharing that photo. <laughs> yeah. That, that is... is the that is the man behind the aesthetic essentially of alien and i think that's a beautiful image to to picture hr geiger peering up the dress of <laughs> yeah that is... of billy Ma- <laughs> billy madison's veronica vaughn <laughs> well, i wish you were me, still alive a guy i know him and her <laughs> got it on <laughs> All right, so our next next week you're gonna join us for a discussion on uh, uh, two two movies in one, the 1979 Amityville Horror ranked ranked number two only behind Superman himself in box office dollars uh, slash the Ryan Reynolds uh, remake yeah. 2005 Ryan Reynolds remake. Who who plays his wife in that? I feel like it was like a famous actor as Melissa well. George. Okay, never mind. I don't know who that is. <laughs> She's yeah. She I mean she has the look of a lot of actress from that era of, of you know uh, just a handful of actors who I always I assume were the same person but are five different very similar looking actors. There is a well, young okay. Chloe Grace Moretz in the film. No kidding. Yes. Nice. Hit girl herself. Exactly. All right. Well, that with that, we're going to bring in the uh, closing music to let you guys know that we are wrapping this bad boy up. It's been a good one, Adam. I've, I've enjoyed going down memory lane with Aileen with you. We covered a lot of I good have, territory. I think we did, too. I think we did, too. Uh, more, more than I thought. But, you know, our own personal anecdotes and little bits of trivia really helped pad things out a little bit. I've been one of your hosts, Ron Avis. And I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. You'll be hearing from us next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>